It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. First post game show of the season. Summer, wow. The Summer League. With a W. With a W. Nobody was more pumped about this than Jimmy. <laughs> Couldn't wait. And Jimmy Toscano. Actually, Couldn't Bobby's wait. the most eager. Yeah. Yeah, Bobby's Bobby the most is so eager. eager to, to... When, it, when it's time to actually do it, he's nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found. And we you lost the guy. Lost, though, Jimmy would be like, this is, guys, this is just getting worse and worse. Sound the alarms. But, yeah, you would have exaggerated it. So, <laughs> again. Oh, I'm still going to exaggerate it. Don't worry about no, that. <laughs> there's no way to do this show without exaggerating or without overreacting because it's really boring to be like if the whole premise of like it's just summer league like it's just spring training like it's just training camp we might as well just not have jobs or like right it's just sports like you know yeah or tristan it's just the regular season like everything is just random anyways and then so that means we can go crazy who cares about about, about yam we can go nuts because (laughs) i mean all into the floor he was yeah. doing everything, you know. All we can do is react. All we can do is react. So we'll start with first off, the one thing I'm going to tell, I'm going to put this out there early. Yeah. We're not talking about Carson Edwards. I will never talk about Carson Edwards. I Thank don't you. talk about Carson Edwards. I don't do it in the regular season. I will uh, not do it in Vegas on. Summer League. I won't do it. I don't care. I don't care if he scored a hundred points today. I would skip right to Yamandar. And what did I text? What did I text you guys? I was like, oh, I, I honestly can't be bothered with one thing Carson Edwards does, good, good <laughs> or bad. will not do it. Good I or bad. Yeah. I am glad that he, you know, did his thing today, but we've been down this, I'm not, been down this path. I'm not, I, though. I'm actually, I'm not glad. I'm just indifferent. It is what it, it is. Because it detracts from everything he does. He's out there to do yeah. what? Friggin' heat check it. I don't want to <laughs> see it. I want to see other people do anything, good right. or bad. It it's takes funny. away. It's yeah. funny you say that, John, because when I when I saw his press conference this week, I was just like, like I'm, I'm watching. I'm just like, dude, okay, we we know your specialty and everything, but like, can you like lie to us and be like, I've been kind of thinking about defense, like you know, kind of thinking about other ways to, to, to add you know anything to this team. I mean, he obviously dropped the line, like, look, I'm trying, I'm willing to do anything 
it takes for a role and are willing to do whatever, you know, other, other of those small things. But I'm, I've been working on my shooting. Like, like, I feel like he, he thinks about that. Pre- I'm going to pre- get mine. He's like, he's <laughs> like, man, I can get back to that. Like that wasn't everything happens for a reason type of thing, you know, like he, he, yeah. he's, he's still set on that, but we'll so see. We will, you know, we'll we, see. We will only talk about. Um, We're only going to talk Carson about Edwards. not talking about. Him. We will only talk about Carson Edwards to tell you that we will not talk about Carson Edwards because yeah. it doesn't matter what Carson Edwards does. It will have no impact on the Celtics or Carson Edwards, really. <laughs> right, it just won't. Right, right. <laughs> but let's start with the. I I don't want to start. I'm not even start negative. I'm just going to start with uh, Yam. It's yeah. impossible Fine. not to have watched this game and be look. This is because we've seen the other guys play. You have a idea Neesmith, Romeo. We saw a ton of Peyton Pritchard. Okay. Of course. Never, haven't seen Yam. Haven't seen, um, you know, the French guy. And we're going to get his name wrong until somebody tells me, <laughs> uh, but is it Begarin? Yeah. That's where we're going with Begarin. There so you go. you nailed we, it. You've been we saw him. Um, so the first takeaways, uh, Yam looked like, again, I, we always use the thing when, when we don't know about people, if you, if you brought an alien down, and they said, here's basketball, watch it. And who would they say, and having never seen anything, having no idea when people were drafted or who they are, and said, who's the best player out here? It's hard watching that first half to not have had your eyes drawn to uh, Yam Madar, just in terms of what he did. So, guys, observations on what you saw. But, I mean, yeah, he's skinny as hell, but his shot looks good. He's twitchy, and he's confident. Like, he knows where he's going out there. You know, like, and that's kind of what you wanted to see there. So, what did you guys think? I think that's the best word, honestly. It was confidence. I, you know, I, I saw energy on both ends. I mean, he's picking guys up from full court. And obviously, you sort of expect that. It's the very first game in summer league. He's coming from overseas. He's obviously been talking the talk in the sense that he has a lot to prove. And he's not planning on going back. His mission is to make this team. So you expect that sort of Good. energy. But it he made it. Done. He, right. made, he, he made the run. team. He just, yeah. He like to You're on Carson's out. Nice job. <laughs> You know what? He seemed like to be one of those guys who was like, look, I'm the, I'm not here. I, well, I'm here to not only prove myself, but I'm here to lead these guys. Like, I'm going to show you on another level. And I felt like it translated on both ends of the floor in the sense of uh, whether he was looking for guys for open looks, attacking, and then on the defensive end, up in everyone's faces and even going for, you know, rebounds on both ends of the floor. You know, I thought that was interesting. His effort just to, he just seemed like a magnet, you know, in terms of that basketball. And he seemed to find a way to sort of get around it every single time while he was out there. Yeah, kind of long. He, like, gets his arms and hands around there. Um, you know, quick. I liked what I saw in the limited amount that I saw. I didn't see the very beginning of the game hand up. So I, I did miss, like, the initial, like, Yam Miss a little spin move reverse, yeah. Yeah, I, I did see the highlight of it, but I didn't see it live, so... That's on me, but I, I I did you know I watched the rest of the game and I I do agree with John that he was a player that just kind of stood out you know he was kind of playing at just sort of like a different maybe I'm not gonna say different level it wasn't like he stood out that much but different sort of energy to him little little you know I guess hop in his step so um, you know it was good to see because all we had was that you you know YouTube clips and again like that's why I judge every player is on YouTube videos but it was good to get a little live uh, live action view of him today um, I think he's definitely good enough to make this roster certainly he played harder than uh, a lot of his teammates did today and guys that listen it's summer league but you're looking for you're looking for a little sign of life out of some of these guys the romeos the neesmiths and and uh, you know i'm I'm still looking i'm still looking (laughs) i know i i would love them to dominate but at this at this point my my you know my i'm so low i'm so low on what i expect my expectations are so low that i just want to see them like 
show a sign of life out there. Well, yeah, that was so, the, that's so you saw the life away. fight. Yeah. yeah. Pritchard's life came on pretty late. Pritchard, he didn't Pritchard hit a shot inside the arc. I thought he had an all right game. Romeo in particular was the one we looked at, and you would have to think at this point, I know he hasn't played a ton in regular season basketball, but this guy has played a playoff series now. He has been part of the rotation when he's been healthy in the NBA. It's his third season. You would want to see him playing at a level where you just say, all right, sit down at halftime. You, you just blown everybody away. There's no real use to this. Instead, all of these guys are out there in the fourth quarter. I know it's a close game and there is some, it's not a big roster. It's not a big roster. Yes, yeah. So there's other reasons that but those guys away. aren't I good enough to see. reasons. If they were, they would be, well, but they're look, not. I mean, look, we've seen well, that's the lot. concern here is that these are guys that are going to be relied upon in the rotation and they're not able to dominate some that is a, so that's that's the number one takeaway so but this is where we're stuck a little you know is yes you want to see them dominate but you're also you know and you want to see them blow by people that's just not their thing per se but you yeah. do want to see a level where it's clear that, drain like, shots just drain shots i don't even care about if they make them i want to be able to I walk do. and say that guy's better than that guy you know i want to see good looks i'd like to see i would rather see romeo take it to the rim break a guy down break his ankles yeah. pull up for a jumper and miss it than hit a contested three like that's fine good i don't mind that you, it's good that you hit it but like i want to see him look like he's better than the people out there and you want to see right. so between us you know, you're looking at Romeo and thinking that I do think right or wrong or whether he's given the benefit of the doubt. And they told a little anecdote late in the game there when they were talking about Romeo's press conference about him going in print. It reads like, yeah, you know, they asked me if I wanted to go and I went. But the reality was they were like, they kind of told me I had to go, but I didn't really want to. He's got a too cool for school sort of attitude. Yeah, but he sort of added it to the end, too. He was just like, I, I want to go. You know, I want to yeah, go. Yeah, I want it. I'm in. I'll do this. This sounds fun. Let's do it. <laughs> I think some of that is genuine, John. I think some of it is. But yeah. the thing with me, with, with Romeo on offense, that bothered me a bit was sort of like, I felt like he was just going through the motions. I felt like he was looking at his options and just like, mm, I'm just going to take a pull-up jump shot here. You know, oh, yeah, I guess I could attack, but let's see if I can just make this three-pointer here. Like, I, I could see his thought process, and I, I didn't like it. I, I felt like he was just sort of going with the easier options. And listen, it is the very first game of Summer League, you know, but – to your point, I mean, Romeo, yeah, he didn't play a whole lot his last two seasons, but we're talking about 50 but, games, 50 regular season games, one playoff series. You know, I expect a little more offensively, at least to show a little more, more of a spark, more energy. But yeah. I do want to say this, okay? And again, I'm not being a Romeo defender. If you ask me, yes, gun to are. my head, I'm not. If you ask me, gun to my head, is Romeo going to be a productive pro? I'd say no. Um, uh, you know, uh, and honestly, I'd say the same thing for Neesmith, I'm, uh, to be honest. If you ask me, like, what, you, what do you think? Jalen and Johnson look much better. Yeah, because you look at other guys, right, and they look better. So the, uh, just snap judgments, I don't think so. My my whole – the reason – I'm not bullish on the guys. I'm saying this is the only path to them being a better team is these guys who you're going to count on for minutes have to elevate their games to the point that they're legit rotation players. Because, again, we talked about the talent drop-off. You can't go from Tatum and Brown to Romeo and Neesmith and have the gulf be so frigging <laughs> wide. It's just, it's ridiculous. You can't have it go from, you know, all-star Olympic level talent to G League or uh, Vegas League talent. It's too big a drop-off, and it's what's going to kill the well, team. Well, that's the context that really hurts you here is that these guys look like they belong out there, which isn't what you, you want them to not look like. You they don't want it. You there. want them to separate. They right? look like they're right out there, just like 
fitting right in among these G-leaguers, overseas guys, what? rookies in particular, being at the same level of them, a late-round pick in Johnson, a right. second-round pick in Sharif Cooper, who looked like he fit right in with all these guys throughout much of this game. This was all – no one stood out, stood out for much no, of this but game. that's the thing. Let me – so so you if they don't dominate in an obvious way, then you're looking – Yeah, you're looking for things to point out and grasp to here. I, I think, and I don't know what you and Joe Sway and Jimmy saw out there, but the one thing I'll give Romeo is that the passing does look a little better. There's some turnovers here, but, you know, you can deal with turnovers and trying things and, you know, taking some risk and failing in summer league ultimately. Uh, Pritchard, yeah. my back, sorry, shooting guys. still looks amazing. Yeah, I was just going off what you were about to say, John. No, no but all like, I want to say is Romeo grasp. had more – Romeo had more flashes, okay? In addition, once he pulled back his hair, he hit all his threes. Um, the threes look the, good. The passing looked good. And the passing looked good, and the ball handling looked good. He just didn't look like he was locked in every moment. To me, Neesmith still right. looks like an shop yeah. sort of guy where, like, great energy is great, but at a certain point you want to dial back that energy and have a little bit more refinement to his game. I'm still not seeing that. I would have liked to see him a little bit more – I would have liked to see the game slow down for him. I don't like a Vegas summer league game going too fast for Neesmith Smith in year two. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. Three too. A I mean, we got and... the shot down late last year. Yeah, and it still yeah, looks still a little running hitchy. around like a crazy guy. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy guy. Like he's so surprised when somebody's there. He turns around, and slams into a guy, gets called for a foul. He's like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "It's <laughs> basketball. There's guys everywhere, dude." Right. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> They struggled. So, uh, the other, the other thing is, the other thing is, it's the first summer league game. Like, I don't want to get too high or too low about any of these performances. I'd like to, you know, take a overview look of the summer league once you know there's a few more games that are played. But I just wasn't like, like you guys, I wasn't like head over heels, like pumped about you know anybody, any of the current like rostered Celtics guys didn't really like wow me today, which I was I was hoping to get maybe a couple wows couple wow factors in but you know bright spot would be yum for sure no who yum no yum but but i'm talking about like i'm not even on the the Smith. yeah exactly i'm talking about the guys who are on the roster like pritchard neesmith basically pritchard neesmith romeo pritchard did hit those shots he had that deep shot from like the right in front of the logo there so kind of came on a little bit um with that three-pointer but didn't really like like bobby alluded to he didn't really do a whole lot inside that arc today um I don't know. A little yeah, bit, a little like bit of a mixed. Be, I feel like he made a point to, uh, to 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 show his distance a bit. Like he's been working. Yeah. That, yeah. Totally. Know? All right. I mean, which hey, that gets good. I mean, obviously, yeah, that would got to be able to hit those thirty footers. So that would. Change. I like that. Even if he's coming off the bench, I think that changes things, or that at least adds a, so, a valuable weapon for for uh, Celtics. Off the bench. So this is my biggest frustration. <laughs> I said this to you guys during the game. It doesn't look like Yam's that far off from earning some minutes here. If that's the level that the core guys from last year are at, and this is the level he's at coming in. Again, you don't want to overreact to one game, as Jimmy said there. But there's just such an opening among the young core on this team that also reminds me of something I said at the end of last season. If you see some guys out there that maybe have some upside beyond what Romeo and Pritchard and some of these other guys have at this point, maybe just swap them out. At this point, you're just over the tax, so the tax isn't a concern. You know, you're not married to any of these guys ultimately. So if you really like someone over Carson in particular, as you guys throw around like, all right, who cares about what Carson's doing? <laughs> they still could, I guess, but 
up until now, they haven't swapped out Carson for another young player that maybe would fit in better with what they're trying to do here and have some long-term upside or just bring some immediate uh, needs to this team right now. Like there were quite a number of guys around the NBA, and I guess Chris Dunn could be an example of this that you buy into, hope that there's still some upside there and give them the opportunities that the Celtics team is going to have. Because if Neesmith, Lankford, Pritchard, all these guys don't have a ceiling and you're about to spend a whole year giving them a bunch of minutes, then this year becomes even more of a waste. So I don't, I just wasn't blown away by anything these guys uh, did out there. I was with John, like Langford, uh, Neesmith looked exactly the same as they did last year. And the same as like, it's, again, it's, you look around the court, you, you'd be like, right. You just want to see like, Ooh, that all you need is one or two things where it stands out be like, Ooh, that guy. Yeah. That, Ooh, look what that guy you did. can tell but, he's you know, a lottery pick or something you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah. you could see the thing that makes the difference there uh and again you'll excuse it for first year players when they're erratic but you look for those flashes but again a player like romeo who's in year three and neesmith year two and i know neither of them have had the benefit of any of a real off season but you're right you do want to see like I, i'm gonna Romeo's a three-year NBA vet, you know, a third-year NBA veteran, despite the fact that he hasn't played. You definitely want to see him play with a little bit more. But that's the thing is, I honestly think for him, he's like, I, again, right or wrong, he does have this vibe that it's not beneath him, but he's kind of like, yeah, you know, he's not taking it seriously in the sense of like, I'm proving to the organization here at Vegas League that I belong. You know, this isn't like playing for my roster spot. I still think he's going to prove himself more in practice and you know training camp and exhibition season and into the into the season where like he might take that a bit more seriously and this is kind of like i'm just staying loose and scrimmaging here so like while our expectations are we're dying to see romeo take that next level i don't know that he's approaching vegas summer league with that level with the same level of urgency of a lot of fans and analysts that's my and again it's not just a defense it's not just excuse making i really think that that's his mentality i don't think he's like oh it's the wrong mentality but we're but the thing is maybe like what they might yeah, say to him is this is I part of your training just get loose just go out there you know have fun right. well, just get he's loose not and playing also- for a spot here no he's yeah. not playing for a spot yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, exactly just get loose but but also fit in right i think that's what he's sort of that's got to be his approach because at the end of the day you, you want to show that you can fit in with these guys and that you're, you're you're an asset moving forward but at the same time he knows if he doesn't, if he does anything outside of scoring twenty points or going off, no one's sort of going to be like, "Oh, well, look at that kid, Romeo. He's really got it," you know. So I, I think at like the same he might time, still stink. I'm just not like for him. I look to, at yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah. I, no, I get, I got you. He's trying to fit in, but at the same time, I don't think he has the mindset of being like, "I got to go out there and crush it." The same way someone like Yam is, because he feels like a lot more is at stake, and and there is right. you know, for someone like him. Right. No, there, there is, there is more like for Yam to prove, I guess, in the fact that he's, you know, coming from overseas and he doesn't have a spot right. on the roster. Then, or even real- Pritchard, someone like Pritchard, I feel like has a little, a little more to prove, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think, I mean, at the end of the day, people guys, here don't these, agree. People here want to see him aggressive. And well, that's they- what I want to say. Like at the end of the day, these guys are all competitors, athletes, you know, they've been playing competitive basketball since, you know, they can remember. I can't imagine they're going out there and just be like, Oh, I'm just going to go on cruise control. Like, I mean, if, if you're if you're Romeo, yeah, you're going into your third year, but the first years are were a waste, trash, garbage, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you had the the COVID year and his rookie year, and he barely played and he was hurt. And then year two, I mean, people literally thought he might have died because they didn't see him for like the first half of the season. I mean, this guy is about the most unexperienced third year player probably in the NBA. So it's not like he should feel like he's earned anything. 
So if I'm Romeo, I want to go out there and be like, yeah, I don't belong in the summer league team because this is how good I am when I'm fully healthy. And here I go, I'm, gonna, I'm about to go, you know, murder these dudes on the other team. And instead it's just kind of like right. up and down. Yeah. He, and, and credit to him. He hit the shot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he did hit the game winning shot. So, you know, we can't, can't hate on him and not mention that, but it's just the fact that he's just yeah. so kind of nonchalant out there. Isn't it funny? Like we can't win, right? We're sitting here coddling Romeo, and he hit the game-winning shot. If yeah. we, if this were a regular season game, Romeo hit the game-winning shot, and we spent the whole day killing him, the chat would be like, "Guys, he hit the game winner. What's right. wrong with you?" Yeah. You know, like it's just not about the. Yeah, it's not. Really I know, about I know, I know. It's just funny. Th that's why it is funny, but and that's why, like, I don't want to not mention it. But it's just, yeah. it's, it's almost like, yeah, if you just looked at the box score, if you just watched the highlights, you'd be like, "Oh, Romeo played pretty well," but it's like. He just kind of he was just kind of like another guy out there, right? I mean, did he really do anything that really stood out to you in the in the moment where you're like, this guy definitely you can you can tell he's a third year NBA player and you know he's gonna be having like, you know, twenty plus minute a game role on this team. Like I just didn't get that from any watching anybody. You know, Neesmith's certainly one for eight, was it, from three? I mean, this is a guy that you drafted to be a shooter. John's sitting there telling us he doesn't care if he hits a shot. I mean, that's literally his job is to hit hit those shots. Not don't care, but if he was to me for Neesmith, got to hit those more, shots though. Absolutely, but to me for Neesmith, I want to see where that he knows where he is on the court way more than I want to see the shots go down. Like it's great when the shots go down, but Carson hits shots. I don't care. I want to see him like coming off clear catch shoot all of yeah, that he wants stuff. to have some court awareness for sure just some court awareness i want to see him get to spots get that get get that clean look and just make it easy he's one of the most effortful players i've ever seen everything is so right. hard he makes it you know some people like, make it look effortless we he said that about look... tatum and brown the first couple first like couple years you're like it just feels like it's so, so hard this is them. yeah they're trying he's trying a, he's trying so hard and it, and it looks so hard. Like, he's, you know, there's very little fluidity and natural stuff where he's just boom, boom, boom. And like, oh, that was butter. You know, like everything right. is a bit of a, you know, because he's just so, you know, all yeah. over the place. That's what I want to see. Turkey, more than jerky. The and yeah, like, yeah. That is the problem you have with this team to some degree is that it's a lot of guys like that who need to be set up, aren't exactly the best at getting to their spots themselves and dribbling themselves into shots and all those different kinds right. of things. That's actually what stood out about Yam is that he kind of got to the places he wanted to on the floor, he was able to set some other guys up, make some nice passes. He had a good left hand dish out from the low post area. Um, in terms of Pritchard, I know people are going crazy about his game, but he's actually the guy in terms of the focus of what the Celtics wanted to get out of him here in summer league. They didn't care about him scoring 23 points. We know he can do that. He needs to connect this all a little bit more, you know, make some plays for his teammates. I, I know he had five assists, but overall it was an amazing playmaking game from him for me. You know, he wasn't running a ton of pick and roll. He wasn't getting to the basket. I don't think he hit a single shot inside the arc. Um, so pick and roll was a, area of the game where he really struggled last year well he wasn't that's getting why he couldn't be a starter when other guys were out so even with him in a good game scoring wise you didn't see the kind of strides and areas where they need to him to improve i was saying that he was uh whoever he was being guarded by for most of the first three quarters of the game he wasn't any attempt to kind of shake him or get into the lane you know and and kind of you know even, you know even just to drive and dish there he was getting cut off pretty easily he was not able to you know turn the corner really on anybody so i actually thought he looked a tad slow um and again he can maybe, really shoot though and we already but, knew that but the shooting is uh, you know again insane because if he's you know he's he's adding a little lillard to his game and he's stepping it back and i mean he took some deep threes last year but I mean, he took a couple inside the logo today so 
that's a thing. That's a real thing. But I do want to see him be able to get around people, get into that lane, you know, throw those lobs, you know, work the pick and roll a little bit. I didn't think he was outstanding there either. So again, you're looking, you're look. I don't want to overreact to a lot of points from one any more than we do to a few points from another, you know? Yeah. So that. Uh, what I will crazy. say, people are here asking in the chat. Yeah, We'll talk a little bit more about this game, and uh, you know we will as well address a few other things going on with the team. Uh, Marcus Smart uh, and his contract extension, Fournier, some Kemba Walker stuff, De- Dennis Cantor, Schroeder. Um, so there's a few uh, team-related things to talk about. But uh, guys, other observations here: we did get to see uh, the second-round pick a little, um, and so it's, I mean, again, first time ever. Would you, uh, you know? impressions i like him he uh yeah. he's definitely got yeah, a shooting floor to him which i wasn't you're not sure because usually the athletic guys who break out and do a ton in transition and are really like burst heavy he catches lobs and all that kind of stuff you wouldn't expect those guys to have shooting floors at 18 but his shot looks good he didn't shoot a great percentage in france last year but the form looks good he hit two in a row in the corner on open looks with good rhythm didn't yeah. have a great game overall. Uh, he did hit the side of the backboard on another one, but the first yeah. couple yeah. looked good. That yeah, and then overall, it's a two-for-four game from three. Defense, like that was an area where, um, you know, Vecini wrote a lot about his game. Um, it's shocking with his tools how shaky he is on defense. Mm-hmm. He really got shoved inside and, you know, couldn't body-wise stay in front of guys when they were driving him to the rim. So, like, I don't know. This this a long way to go for his game to reach NBA level, it looks like. But there's a few things you like, the physique and the shooting floor, I'd say. So really yeah, surprising was, how big he was, right? Yeah, he's an NBA size. Um, I would say the only thing was, I mean, the whole thing that he was basically told Brad, he's like, I just, you know, I want to play on the team because I want to prove that I could, you know, roll with these That guys. was interesting, huh? Like, it didn't sound like – and, you know, there's a little bit of a language barrier there with that um, presser, but he didn't sound like he wants to be stashed. That didn't seem like something he's interested in. Yeah. yeah, but I would say just on top of that, it, 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 I didn't feel like this guy didn't belong on the court. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. He kind of proved that he can, you know, roll with this level of, uh, of you know, skill, I guess you could say, summer league type player. So, I mean, it was a second round, you know, took a stab at him. You know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I really don't have a whole lot to say on, on him. But like Bobby said, you know, he hit those two shots and, um, you know, got a little size to him too. So, can't, can't yeah, hit him. I thought what he was trying to convey the most throughout that press conference was that he has some versatility to his game. But, mm-hmm. I, but I think what we would look best, at least in this first outing, was his outside shot. It just looked really comfortable out there, and his, and his shot and his technique and that that you know guy you can rely on in the corner. Obviously, he's raw and it's too too early to to say if that's going to be consistent. But I think that's what stood out the most. Wouldn't mind him playing in Maine if he wants to. You know, there's more money overseas, but if he wants to be closer and have some opportunities to come up at certain points in the season, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. They got a two-way spot open, um, probably not a ton of playing time, and that two-way deal really doesn't pay you much. I think it's 77000 uh base pay. So he might just end up saying, all right, I'll make – I'll go back to Paris, maybe play in the upper division because he was only in the second division in France. So that's probably what you want to see out of him is him go back there and play at the highest level and really show something. But um, he has risen quite quickly through the ranks in terms of like tournaments and different things that he's done overseas. He's 18 and to have this kind of build at 18 is really impressive. You don't see many like young prospects have this kind of frame. So 
I don't know if he's just a flyer at 45 and if it works, it works. It doesn't, it doesn't. And there was some good returns here. I'd say in the first game. Yeah, that was fine. So, um, what do we got? We got, uh, Tuesday now. Yeah. So program. I don't know who it is. What time? Is it a day game? Um, yeah, I think it might be a seven. Seven. Oh, okay. Okay. Program note, Bobby Manning heading out there to cover um, uh, Summer League for CLNS Media. Sherrod Blakey wow. out there right now. Um, Sherrod may join us. He's in some interviews right now, but he does want to jump on the show. So we'll get his take from being down there, uh, you know, from having a, you know, courtside view of the of the game and the action and uh, get his insights. We will definitely revisit the game again um, and, and and get some more thoughts from Sherrod once he joins. But let's uh, let's get into some of the other Bobby news. takes Vegas, huh? Bobby's doing it. Wow. Oh, you nervous? Wow. You a nervous, dude? Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's going to be a lot, but I really want to do it. I'm excited <laughs> it's to do gonna it. Be so. Bobby, you don't, don't, don't say that out loud. Don't fall temptation, Bobby. Don't I'm fall into temptation. You should be nervous. It's a very – it isn't. It, Vegas is – It's if you've never been, it, it's like fake life over there. You walk down the street like, this is America? It just looks <laughs> – it's the strangest thing in the world. Like you're home clipping coupons, deciding what it like and buying the mac and cheese that's 30 cents cheaper than the other one. And then you go there and you're just like, should I put three of these $25 chips down or five of them down? And you're just flipping. It means nothing. You know, like you, you won't, you won't eat at a restaurant because it's too expensive. And you go to a steakhouse there and you spend $345 on a meal. And you're right. like, what did I just do? You know, like it's just funny money. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's crazy. I think I'll stay in the arena. <laughs> you'll end up at a beach club. No, you'll end up at a at a beach club at some some point, Bob. Yeah. I better then, hear. I better. I better hear some stories and all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sherrod, look out for me and Sherrod out there. That'll be a killer combo. Danger. I, I was at um. I was I was there once for summer league, and I, I was I rolled up to a craps table, and I didn't realize it until I looked at everybody who was there. And Kenneth Farid was at the table, and he was at like. I was at like the five dollar table, and he was at like the five dollar table. And he was actually like getting pissed about like losing like little Man, hands. This is on his rookie his rookie year, I think. So this is a while back, and now I'm sure he's at different tables now. When he but, blew up, did he blow up his rookie year, or was that his second? Yeah, year? this was like summer league, so it's before. He was he, a big deal early on in his career. Oh, I'm yeah, looking out for uh, Tatum and Brown. Apparently, are going to be spending much of the best buddies. They oh. hang out once every 365 days, and they're the best of friends. This proves Welcome, it, guys. Dude, I got I got people I got people DMing me being like you guys are you know you guys say they weren't friends I'm like this was the ultimate revenge photo I'll say this and then we'll move on the people out there taking a victory lap and tweeting out this photo and saying see are the same idiots that friggin posted screen caps of uh, uh, Ky- Kyrie Irving Kyrie. on the bench oh they hate each other to be like oh look they hate each other okay so just. Yo, you don't know is, any more. Th- you don't know any more than anyone else knows. Good to I, see is, something, though, right? This is, hey, I'm glad Doka. to see them supporting each other. Yeah, I, I'm all for yeah. it, man. I'm, I'm all for it, but don't make it seem like don't don't give us the C, you guys. They they're great friends. Yeah, yeah, right. You just pump the brakes on that. Like the, honestly, this the Celtics made, broadcast Celtics it, broadcast played it played it well. I thought they were like, look. They're not the best friends. We know this. They're wildly different people. They don't hang out a lot, but they respect each other. That's literally it. Sure. Like that's yeah, that's, that's the actual mine. story. That's right. my opinion. In my opinion, this is this is Ime Udoka forming uh, team a group, bonding, a group text message and being like, "Hey guys, you guys are gonna do this. You guys are gonna do that." It's like, "All right, coach." It is like, interesting. You know, one of those things where it's just like 
you're in the group chat already so it's just like yeah all right sounds good like that's a good great. point joe sway because those those good. those congratulation tweets from uh brown and smart kind of came on rapid succession you know they were just like one after another it was yes like, congrats Happy the other track. Right around the yes. same time it, it wasn't like you know congratulations right to insert player name here yeah, on yeah. Your... <laughs> yeah. no, no you know what though it was good to see Jalen brown show up at the summer league game today too you know he's supporting his teammates so that's a leadership that you want to see i do see, think so. no i think what joe sway said there is very important i do think that could be Eme moving and yes. taking behind the scenes to try to change that narrative a little bit yep. that there's some di- division here within the room just show right but it's not even division just show support like yeah. you know, show support. just show it outward yeah. like front-facing stuff matters you know like show support show that you're united show have some- each other's back do it on the court do it with your tweets do it with everything yeah. all of that stuff like you should do that. That's the whole thing is we're not looking for clues of like reg, hating right? each other. There's yeah. just no clues of liking each other. Not yeah. enough. That stuff is so easy to do, even if you don't mean it. Like that stuff, that stuff should be just part of like the PR campaign. Guys, do all of these things because it's going to look good. Yeah. And also it's, it's a good message to your teammates when you show they're looking exactly. up to you guys. Right. In my opinion, you know what's next? It's probably going to happen immediately today. Celtics pride. Show some Celtics pride. Thank hey, you. That's what you were about Celtics. to say. Hey, we love it here. This is Boston. We believe in this organization. Maybe not to that extent, but just say, hey. No, no to that extent, this is, literally. This is Celtics pride. We're coming back. We're upset about a first-round knockout. You know, a lot of things happened last year that you guys didn't understand, and we're going to prove to you all that we're one of the top teams in the East still. That's right. my, that was my concern. That was my bigger concern. Is not, not yeah, ooh, Tatum and Brown liking pride. each other. It's Tatum and Brown liking – the Celtics organization. That's what I really care about. <laughs> like, because right. it didn't feel like it didn't feel like anybody was in was interested in this organization at the end of last season. Like from the from the president down to the you know last guy on the roster. So that's what yeah. I'm looking for. I'm not really and, looking for like, right. did yeah. they have a sleepover? I want to know if they actually like love the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, multiple right. things. You don't love the Celtics and love social media, but geez, two shows. things. Love the Celtics, love playing with each other. Nobody right. gives a shit if they're best buddies. But you want you want to believe that Tatum doesn't want to unlink from Brown and vice versa for their careers because they they view like these two as like we're the we're the unit that you're gonna come join. What you right. don't want is them to start kind of looking elsewhere. That's all you want. You want them to be tied together the whole time. That's the number one most important thing. It doesn't yeah, matter. Like Steph and Clay. If they're best buddies, you just want them joined, you know, in whatever way possible. And you want to hear them say it like this guy and me, me and this guy together, blah, blah, blah. We would do all of this stuff. That's the most important thing by far. It doesn't they don't have to take pictures at the club. It doesn't matter. Like you just want them to want to play with each other for the rest of their careers. And ideally, you want to see it here. So it's great. It's the same lunch table. You know, they know this is the same lunch lunch table every day. Yeah. It's great that yeah. out every once in a while, you know, dap each other up every once in a while. It's great that Tatum, you know, Team USA won the gold, and Tatum was a big part of that. And but there's a little sliver of me that's that's like, oh, like, it's not really a Celtics thing. It's it's a it's a it's a country thing, and it's an my all star buddies. Exactly, it's kind of like KD. that. Look what KD I, and I did. I, I want him to represent the Celtics like with that win, but I, I know it's not <laughs> that medal. easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, let's move on. Anyway, glad we got that out of the way. Yeah, but that, but that cracked me up. I, I couldn't wait. I was like, three, two, one. Tweet, 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 tweet. Yeah, yeah, C, yeah. C, <laughs> C. Oh, my God. 
It was so predictable. Goodman took some heat. Goodman did. I was just going to say that. Goodman took fire. Goodman's just having a – probably mowing his lawn, having a little Sunday. And, Goodman's oh, like, nice. bring it, you know, like <laughs> – <laughs> so funny. He wants all the smokes. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he's ready for it. Let's throw this one out here. Uh, this happened during the week, um, which was just perplexing. City. Uh, we spent. So this is our first broadcast since free agency, in which time the Celtics did nothing. And they still signed, haven't. They signed Cantor. <laughs> we have and to talk about that. that. We have to do a seg- a little section on that. We'll get hey. to. It. We can get to Cantor, but the value so, of that contract's not bad. That's fine, but you know, I mean, look, and Bobby's pointed this out. It's freaking ridiculous that they got rid of Cantor. All right, we'll it, do Cantor now. Go. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous that they got rid of him to bring in Thompson only to get rid of Thompson to bring yeah. Cantor back. But <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Not to mention everyone's it's forgetting. It's a silly looking signing. Even everyone's if it's forgetting. Good, even if it works, they never played Cantor when he was on the team. We were, I think it was maybe me and John. We we're like, why isn't Cantor get in there? And like I and Bobby would say, oh well, because he can't play defense, he can't play defense. Well, guess what? He still well, can't see, play defense. Well, see, that's why. But he can still grab wrong. fifteen boards. So yeah, like actually, Brad would never play. I think, him. It, I think a lot of it has to do with Rob, guys. You know, like there has to be an insurance policy on Rob. I and mean, obviously, yeah, it's not ideal that it's cancer, but at least it's somebody that they know could fit. The no, system. this time it's cancer not is a much different. Role. It's not Rob. And rebounding, they, you know, they got rid of Mo for nothing. And and they needed yeah. to dump Kristen. It's just a body. It's a body. They needed exactly. another. If, a million if, bucks. If they didn't lose, if they didn't lose Mo in that trade, I don't know if they if they why? why still can't figure that Mo. Yeah, Maybe none know. of this makes sense. Canters. Nope. All right, so that's where I disagree. He's in a different role this time. He's making a million bucks, and he's not going to play. That's the point, Jimmy. Like he does. If all goes well, he doesn't play. He's a depth big who steps in if a guy's hurt, takes a night off. Maybe there's a matchup thing here or there that he can give you. Yeah, I know he's not going to start. Yeah, he's but... a pretty quality third big man when it comes down to it. I know people are throwing out the big numbers in Portland last year. He was solid for Portland. Uh, how it looks really silly solid. is that you spun the wheels for a year waiting for him to come back. Not even a year. Nine months ago, they dumped him with the pick like in terms of real time here. And now he's back while dumping Thompson, who – supposedly was supposed to be the upgrade on Cantor. So that's where it looks silly. Now, I get it also that you want a one-year guy, and pretty much everybody in this market went for two years. So this was probably the best available player, period, who would take one year in short money. Uh, It just happens to be the guy that you dump with Desmond Bain nine months ago. So that's why the team has to at least look at it and acknowledge, all right, like if we're going to have an opening press conference for this guy and wave the flag, it's going to look a little weird here. Yeah, right. Cantor is a WWE champion. Yeah, I laugh. I like. I generally like Cantor. John does too. Um, we first are, of all, I think we, it's just yeah. You, but you hated. hated you hated Cantor, so don't even start. I like him in this role. We have the receipts. We have <laughs> yeah, all the receipts. Yeah. So last time he was here, Rob wasn't really playing, right? All right. And they just Jimmy's favorite him. stat is what? Uh, what's, uh, what's Jimmy's stat? PER baby. Jimmy loves PER. Where oh, was P- Can- yeah, where absolutely. was Cantor league wide in PER last year? Can P-E-R anyone guess? <laughs> he was way the hell up there. Twentieth. I was gonna say fifteenth. There you go. I think two years. And, ago, Bo- and Bob and Bobby play. says that he's not. You know, the point is the point of him is to not play him, but he likes him. The point of him always was, and again, we argued this last year. I mean, it was Tristan was a 
Bum. Tristan was the bizarro canter. He can rebound. <laughs> he can rebound, but he's atrocious. Uh, he, he can rebound and defend, but atrocious at offense. And and, and canter can rebound both both sides. They're both good offensive rebounds. Both good defensive rebounds. He can he can rebound and score, but he's friggin' atrocious at defense. Canter is exactly what we thought he was. Tristan was not. That was the problem. If Tristan defended like Cantor played offense, that would have been still a good signing, a valuable piece. He just sucked. He sucked at everything. Um, And so that was the problem is you were basically flopping offense for defense, but roughly the same player last year, which didn't make sense to me to sell one off for parts and make your big splash Cantor with the TP because that was really all you had. That was all the flexibility you had was that thing. But who knows? It turns out everybody grabbed, you know, with mid-levels and whatever last year didn't really work. Um, so, oh, hold on. I think Sherrod is here. He is yeah, here. Let's bring in. I was going to send you that message. Sherrod Blake. There he is. What up, Sherrod? What's up, What's up, fellas? Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Perfect. perfect. Good, good. I, I, the one, like, relatively cool spot in Vegas is, like, literally right here. It was 96 degrees at 10 o'clock in the morning. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> what, what I'll say, what else? And and for for a guy like Sherrod, I don't, you know, that that doesn't bode well. I would say I probably spent the first the first when Sherrod and I worked together at NBC. I spent the first year uh, giving him a towel to just pat a little bit here. <laughs> exactly, because, you know, exactly, John. You know me. <laughs> yeah, you know me so well. I was like, John. I was like Sherrod. Yeah. I was That's like, his third gonna, shirt. You're gonna have to pat that down, buddy. That'd be second shirt, Jimmy. Okay. Okay. Second okay. Shirt. Second shirt. Okay. But I remember you guys were out there for you know. Uh, but I bought a third NBC. one just in case. Bring in the big suitcase, Sherrod. NBC Sports Boston. I remember you guys had like these like bright shirts on. I forget what what year it was. It was summer league. I was uh-huh. like, man, it must be so hot out there that you guys had to go with the, the bright. The yeah. Bright look. So. Someone said, man, I need SPF 90. It's true. Oh, my yeah, Bobby's Give, gonna, give us something we roast. don't know from the game today. We, 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 we just came off the game. We started talking free agency stuff. Mm-hmm. But what were some of your observations there, your, your, your top takeaways from today's from the Summer League game? Well, I, I think the one thing that everyone is going to talk about is obviously the way that Jan played. He was really good. But what we learned in the post game was that all the players had basically their plans for individual plans for them to execute in summer league and Yam did exactly what they were hoping for just be a guy that could come in there bring energy uh really make his presence felt and didn't didn't necessarily need to score to do that uh he was obviously the the star of the show i I thought you know romeo after i thought a really slow start he delivered when it mattered most and that was one of the things that coach was talked about afterwards was that you know they want to get romeo to do a better job of making the most of his shot attempts when opportunities present themselves and obviously right there down the stretch big shot that he hit not only in terms of the game's outcome but i think more for his confidence because i mean he really needs to get in the habit of making wide open or lightly contested shots when it's the shot clock is winding down or at the end of the game because you just never know if the celtics are swinging the ball whether it'll wind up in his hands in those situations yeah to me Sherrod, it felt like he was uh, forcing the issue a bit in the first half you know there were some shots where the ball was moving around and he was just sort of like oh i'm behind the arc of course i gotta shoot it did you feel like that was his approach throughout? And but then, of course, in the second half, he settled down a bit more, especially on the offensive end. You know, I, I think some of that is true, but I think also part of the problem or the issue was that there were so many other guys that they're trying to get a look at, and they kind of know who Romeo is, and they, they really have very specific things they need him to get better at. And I, I do think he was forcing the issue a little bit, but again, to me, it always comes down to what do you do when the game matters most? 
what are you able to deliver in that critical, pivotal moment? And he was able to come through. Same thing for Peyton Pritchard, because Peyton Pritchard was the one that had a great pass, you know, to him that set that shot up. Uh, and he was another guy that got was much better in the second half than he was in the first. Sherrod, let me ask you, you say everyone's got to focus. What? What is Romeo's focus? I know they talked about using him more as a primary ball handler this year, um, mm -hmm. and you did see some. There were some times where it looked like he had a bit of a loose dribble, um, and there are other times where he was able to get into the lane and to make some things happen. So a mixed bag in terms of that front. But, like, do you have an idea what each of these guys' marching orders was? Like, what is Romeo's mission? Because we oh. talked about, like – What was Romeo's we, marching orders? At, yeah. No, because at home you want to see – at home the reaction is – Just and we chill? Talked about this, at the beginning is – we want to see on, guys like Romeo Neesmith dominate, you know, because you want to see that they're a level above these guys at, in the Vegas League because they're going to be asked upon to be rotation players. But if they have specific jobs to do or specific roles, that changes the context of, of, of evaluating their performance. So what is it you think they most want to work on with Romeo? Well, with Romeo, I, I think, as I just said, him making open shots. Uh, get, because if, Jay, if Taysom, Tatum and Brown are doing the things that we expect them to do, that's going to create opportunities for guys like Romeo who are on the floor to make shots that are wide open. And so for him, that I think is one of the primary things they're looking to do. But more than anything else, John, and you, you touched on it a second ago, he does have what I would consider a little bit of a loose dribble. And I think he needs to tighten that up a bit. And I think that's something that they're certainly looking to work on, not only in the summer, but also in preseason training camp. Uh, but as far as Romeo is concerned, I mean, I, I think they for his first game in summer league, he did – for the most part, what they were hoping that he would get accomplished. Uh, and to me, again, that shot that he hit at the very end, those are the kind of shots that we just – Romeo wouldn't either not be on the floor in that moment or he'd be on the floor and nowhere near the ball. So he needs to become more comfortable not just taking that shot but also making it. And he did that today. Uh, what about Neesmith? What, your, your impressions there. Um, you know, and again, just to share what we said on the front end, uh, our vibe, again, with Neesmith was he still – looks bull in a china shop ish at a game and playing in a game there you wouldn't expect you under you understand um nba with no training camp coming out of half a season at college to be too fast and you would explained why he was running around and he looked lost and crazy at times last year effort was there but he was all over the map you don't expect to see him carry that play over into a into into summer league and he did kind of look like the same guy yeah, I'm hoping that this was just, you know, just one of those games for him and that he will get better as we go along this summer. Because you're right, he looked exactly like what we saw in the regular season. And that's not good. That is not good. That that doesn't give the Celtics what they're going to need from him. They're going to need him to make shots, which he did not do a good job of. They're going to need him to make uh, hustle plays, not just hustle plays, but like under control hustle plays. He's great energy-wise, but he does seem to be a bit out of control, and it felt that way for long stretches in, in this game. So he needs to really – that's part of what his, I think, plan going forward is to refine that energy and effort, refocus it so that he's making plays that make the team better, not just making plays because they're effort plays. Because as we all know, every effort play is not a good one. <laughs> right. So you want to see it slow down. Right. Uh, guys, questions for Sherrod? Yeah, I, I was going to go the Yam direction. So Yam's still not on the roster. Saw some flashes today. I honestly thought as a creator, which is what they wanted Pritchard to kind of show out here in the summer league, he looked better in that capacity than Pritchard did, even though Pritchard had a good shooting game. So to you, is there a chance that Yam could have a not only a roster spot here, but a real role on this team next year? I'm going to – I don't think – 
that he's going to have a real role with the team. This was a great start, great start. But I still think that his his size, uh, and I'm not talking about length, I'm just talking about his physical dimension. He's a skinny guy. I don't think that's going to help him. In fact, it will be more of a detriment, uh, if anything, once you get your guard. You have to go against guys like Marcus Smart, uh, guys like, you know, even freaking Steph Curry. You know, could could play bully ball with him. I think at this point, it always, and, it always hurts your chances. Yeah, so I, I think that that's going to keep him from you know really having a significant role. But yeah. listen, his understanding of the game, his IQ, that is it's really awesome. Legit. It's legit. I mean, he he did this one move, and and, and you know, it's it's so subtle that I know the coaches will probably point this out, but the average fan it just didn't make sense, and you wouldn't even pick up on it. He gave this like jab step, like he was going to set a screen, and he just pulled back towards the baseline. They passed in the ball, he had a wide open baseline jumper. That's something that coaches can't coach. That is something that you, as a basketball player, have an IQ for that, or you don't. Little mm-hmm. things like that, I think, are going to help him make the roster. But again, I don't think he's, I just don't think physically speaking, he's going to be able to make much of an impact. And that's the thing, because he's obviously he's a 94 foot player, you know, like he's there. He pesters you. Uh, he wants to get up on the ball handlers. But you saw it a couple times. You know, he came up against a screen and it was boing, you know, like it's definitely the physical. And I'm just talking not even full contact on it, just brushing up against bodies and he gets knocked off his stride. He definitely needs to, you know, he needs more of that man strength, you know, right and now. I, Right, and I would I would love for him to be on a team where he could get that experience. He could work with the Celtics. He could be up in in Maine and going back and forth, and just gradually physically get get bigger and do that within the confines of the Celtics system. And I, I think that to me that that's one of my biggest draws to him being having one of those roster spots is that he gives you someone that you can literally develop. Who, from a basketball IQ standpoint. I don't think you have to do much tinker with that, but he physically has to get stronger. And you can control that if you're the Celtics much better than you can if he's here than if he's overseas. Yeah, uh, he can ball, man. Uh, any other takeaways? I just like his game. The people you talk to, any insights, whether it be for this game? Did you get to talk to Ime as well? No. The, the, the way that I, I'm not even going to get into just how the interviews, it's it's very different in summer league than we've done in the in- okay. <laughs> Previous years, and I'm not going to get into that because I, I'm 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 in boy I'm, right now. I'm going to put in effect my Rasheed Wallace. Both teams played hard mantra. <laughs> both teams played hard. Anybody I, I asked about that, that would be my response. Both teams played hard. Fair enough. Marcus, I'm Marcus just getting traded or what? What's going on with that? Marcus getting traded. What's that? Marcus Wait, hold Marcus on. Traded? Hold on. on I, okay. I, I can't ahead, even Jimmy, hear what just saying. Just was being a smartass. I know. But Jimmy, go ahead. Anyway. I have a question more about the game and the and the roster, but um, it feels like Peyton Pritchard's going to have a bigger role this season, obviously, based on the fact that Kemba Walker's gone and whatever. Um, are you sensing that he's sort of taken on a little bit of a leadership role with this summer league team? And do you get the do you get the sense that they're really trying to work him up into a into a bigger role heading into the season here? I think Peyton is working himself up into a bigger role for this upcoming season. I think he understands that. When he looks around, there just aren't that many playmakers on his roster. He's right. and that's what he does. And uh, you know, we talked to him post game, and one of the things he did touch on a little bit was that uh, in those late game type situations, he's been in so many of those at at Oregon uh, and even before that. And so there's a comfort level that he has in those, those moments where he knows that 
if the shot is there, he's going to take it. If the pass is there, he's going to take it. His whole thing is I need to make the right decision in those moments. And that's what this summer league is about for him. You know, the, the, the play that he made for Romeo, he could have easily forced the action and try to go to the hole and, and do something to get his own shot. But he recognized that I can draw the defense to me. Romeo can be wide open. I'm going to trust my teammate to make the shot. And those are the moments that he has to amplify in summer league. He has to consistently bring that type of thought to the game. And I think he will. That's the thing with P Pritchard. What's interesting is, you know, you get you bring him in here and you're like, all right, he should be the back, you know, backup point guard. You want to see him run the point, run the offense. But really what he is is a scorer, um, first and foremost. Um, and that's his number one thing. And right, you want to see him make the right play. But he really is a guy who I see coming off the bench. And basically you want to see him shoot five, six, seven times per stint. You want to see him go out there, try to get hot and try to do the things. It's almost kind of what you thought Carson Edwards might be if his if his if he translated to the NBA level. But that's sure. kind of what that's kind of what Pritchard really is here is go score. Go go shoot. Go be the guy you like him shooting. unit and score a bunch. Right. That, that's right. his value. And the thing about him is that because he has been, you know, he's played for a number of years against pretty good caliber competition, he understands the value of decision making. Like he understands that, yes, I can score. Yes, I can pass. But sometimes I need to pick one or the other. And I think a lot, you look at a guy like Carson Edwards. I mean, he's looking to get buckets. Um, I mean, that's just who he is. And, and again, for me, and I think a lot of people, it's kind of frustrating at times when you could make a great pass or you could take a decent but not so great shot. And he's more times than not, he's going to take that damn shot. Um, yeah. And that's a worry. Like my biggest worry, and we were talking about before you came on, Sherrod, is that, all right, if this was a year ago and you had a little more depth, or even two years ago where you had much more depth, you wouldn't be relying on these guys this year. But for Pritchard, he's the backup point guard behind Smart. Like, he's got to be trusted with decision-making and these sort of things. And Romeo's, your, you know, rotation wing. And right down the list here with all these guys, they're essentially backups, all three of these core guys that are playing here. So... I don't know. Like to me, it just didn't look like there was enough separation to show you that like, all right, these guys are ready for big time NBA roles and solid rotation spots. Cause they're not even separated much from this class of G league players and rookies down there in Vegas right now. Like there wasn't a great sense of separation. I mean, did you see that too? No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's close. And, but you know, it's, it's one game. So you can't put too much stock in it one way or the other, whether they drop 40 or they drop four. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that there was enough, signs that indicate that Peyton Pritchard, for example, is looking to be more of a playmaker. Uh, and he's looking, he's, he's worked on his jump shot. And I, I think he probably took a few too many jump shots early on. I didn't like, I thought he was just kind of chucking it there in the first he's half. Is, is he a little too big? A little too <laughs> big looked, for what? He looked, he looked a little, little a little too stocky and a, and a little slow, I thought. I don't know if it's he's still playing his way into shape. He didn't look – he definitely didn't look like he a had a – couple of vacations. Didn't look like he had a great – didn't look like he had a great first step. You know, wasn't able to really kind of uh, yeah, shake was, anybody off the dribble. Those sausages at Fenway Park, man. He, he did – people forget. I mean, he did drive a bit last – not forget, but, I mean, he you know, he would take it to the hole. He didn't look like he could get there. He definitely settled on his jumper. But uh, he looked a little – I want to say chunky – but he looked stocky and like maybe yeah. a shade slower than I remember him. 
Yeah, he, he didn't look like he was in, in the greatest of shape. I'm okay. From, from what we saw. <laughs> that's that's I, what I, I mean, thought. I'm trying to I mean, be nice. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. put him in the John Bagley category of, of point guards. <laughs> he, he's, he's not there. Old he's school. not there, but he, he definitely John, he's been taking his bit. girl out. You know, he's been going on I can't be, Listen, I can't be mad at him, though. <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of August. I mean, you just finished your damn season. Now they want you to start playing right. back up again with no real downtime. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. Damn this, be, damn this year-round job that they're asking me to do. Yeah, for, for me, for me, I'm, I'm more concerned with his decision making because I think the body that that's going to come in time. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. It's his decision making that I need to see him continue to get better at. And I, and I thought today's game was a good start in that direction. Love the Bagley reference. Love the string of outstanding point guards that I was we were treated to. If you grew up in this area, Bagley, oh. Michael Adams, Dana Barrows, it just kept going. But uh, Bagley, Dana Barrows, Metapan's own. <laughs> My man, Kenny great. Anderson. I love Kenny Anderson. Yeah. Love Shelly. him. Kenny. Um, he put up a, uh, a Celtics pick the other day, a throwback. Kenny that, loves the Celtics, man. He does. Kenny, Kenny threw up a throwback pick of him in a, in a, in a Celtics warm-up from like an old practice. Kenny was Georgia Tech. Yeah. That's right. right. Um, the rambling wreck. Yeah. So let's, uh, let me, uh, anybody, anything else here on the game before we switch to some of the offseason stuff? Because I want Sherrod and everybody else's take on that too. Guys, anything more here? I'm done uh, with this game. That's about it. <laughs> I will see you on Tuesday. Done with the game. Sherrod and Bobby in the house on Tuesday. We will bring you more post-game action yes, from sir. there. Um, so that should be good. Um, but let's switch gears. We didn't want to talk about the Marcus. We talked a little about Ennis. There he is. Hi, Ennis. Uh, yeah. Can we, we just say how talk- sad it is? That, that's the extent of Celtics free agency talk right there. Is the we want to talk here. about the Marcus Sorry. Smart thing, okay? Because so, you know, what we were saying when we started here, um, is really, we, we did a show last week, free agency. They did nothing outside of that Cantor signing. We got sidetracked talking about Cantor, but the point being is the idea everybody seemed to think was, okay, clearly saving money. They're not going to spend a freaking nickel, uh, and uh, they're just going to save it up so they can make a move for Beal or whomever next offseason, and that's that. And the idea is they're not going to re-sign Smart. They're going to renounce Rob. Hey, they might even trade Smart. There's a report out there that – uh, Brad's done with him and all of this. And then bang, out of nowhere, Celtics offering Smart the max, you know, whatever, max extension they can offer him right now, 4-77. and 77. I don't understand this. I don't understand how it works with the rest of their offseason plans, though I guess maybe you're saying they hedge a little. They got to have something here in case they can't get anything next offseason. <laughs> maybe they think it's a tradable contract, so they're not worried about taking it on. But I don't understand how you do this and you don't re-sign Fournier. I don't think Fournier was that much money, truth be told, at the end of the day. I don't think that contract was a huge albatross either. So I don't understand the plan, Sherrod. Do you have any – first off, what do you think's going on here with Marcus? And two, do you understand what the Celtics are doing? Well, I, let me just start with Marcus. I, I think the Celtics are, are realizing that, you know, Marcus, he's the best you got and maybe or will become the best you can get. And so rather than risk losing that and getting nothing in return, which is very possible, you try to put together a deal that I think he's comfortable with. And frankly, with the salary cap going up certainly next year, that contract isn't going to be nearly as much of an albatross a year from now than it would be right now. And because of that, John, because of that, he becomes someone that if you're looking to move him, it becomes a lot easier because the money is much more movable than that third the 13 million that he's making this year. Because right now at that at that kind of money, you're not gonna get anything remotely close to fair market value or even a deal done. And so his contract, it benefits him financially. It benefits itself because it does become a little bit more movable, I think, going forward. 
uh, as far as getting something of a comparable value in return. And and again, it goes to me. I just I don't think they're convinced that they're going to get something better than that on the free agent market. Yeah, I think it does a variety of different things here. Obviously, it placates him and his role in the team that we've talked about. You know, he's he's got an expiring contract, and there's all this look ahead to next year and Beal and whatever. It does kind of undermine his spot on the team in the short term and long term. So there'd be a benefit to that. We all knew that the squeeze to get a player like Beal and free agency would be so tight that you'd lose numerous players. So you probably want to set up a trade and a sign and trade or even a midseason trade if you were going to go that route rather than just gutting the roster and trying to squeeze in his salary because then you don't have any cap holds or any way to bring in players a significant salary. So it makes sense in that regard too. Um, the question is, is if you don't get Beal and if all of a sudden you're just hedging against Smart's long-term standing on the team, is a core smart Tatum and Brown going forward going to be something that improves or grows together? Because, you know, I think we've kind of seen what smart is as a player at this point. I don't think there's a whole lot of upside. So when you're giving a guy a raise, when you give a guy extension, if your intent is to keep them here and you're paying them more, you want to see a guy like that get better. And I'm not necessarily sure there's still a ton of upside in smarts game, despite this uh, incredible start to his career that we've seen. Well, and the other thing you got to keep in mind is that we don't know if that contract is fully guaranteed. Right. Uh, and, and to me, that would be the main reason why a guy like Marcus would hesitate to sign something like that. Because if it's worth $77 million, but only like maybe 50 of that is guaranteed, yeah. is that really in your best interest to sign that contract? Wouldn't you be better off hitting the free agent market and maybe getting like a four-year Fifty-six or Murphy, million. Murphy right. also said they are coming in a little lower than the max. I think they're coming in at about sixty-nine. Actually, is what he clarified. So it's gone so, back and forth. Right? Yeah. I've seen. I've seen that it was seventy-seven at the max. I've also seen that it's closer to that seventeen average. And that was my thought too. Is one of two things. It's a hedge against not getting what you want, not being able to pull off a trade, not getting Beal, not being able to spend that max money next offseason, get left with nothing. So that would be number one. But two, and it might be a combo platter between the two, is um, you make you make Marcus a deal that you're supremely comfortable with, or perhaps, and this is a little conspiracy theory uh, in me, perhaps a deal that he can't accept. And you wonder how much of this was bad PR, where it's like, you know, wow, they won't spend a nickel and they're really cheap and X, Y, and Z is going on. It's like, all right, let, let, you know, let's put it out there. Let's, we're Marcus, we're bringing him back, right? Because again, I just don't understand. Everyone here is saying, oh, fake news, Mannix's report, blah, 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 discontent with smart. We're not here to talk about where reporters reported what's true or not, but it does seem like we people can't really settle in on whether or not the Celtics are committed to Marcus Smart or not. And that's what makes the whole thing really perplexing. Do they want him here? Do they not want him here? Uh, do they think he makes them better? Do they want him to be their starting point guard? Do they want to clear the cap table and, and have and, and have extra money? I can't figure it out. Like the reporting on Smart this offseason was he's the teacher's pet and uh, and people resent that he gets away with a ton of stuff and Brad lets him get away with murder and – Brad can't stand him and wants him off the team because he's erratic. No wait, they're going to re-sign him. Okay, I you know again, it's easy to shout fake news, but I have no idea uh, what, you know where 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 they land in terms of you know how they view him right now. Well, the, the one thing I try to come back yeah, to is just does it, what makes the most sense, like what's logical, and and for the Celtics to offer him a contract that has 
the ability to not be fully guaranteed makes a lot of sense uh, because that will appease him in the short term because the money, a lot of that money will be up front. It appeases the Celtics fan base because they love Marcus. It appeases the organization because it doesn't put you on the hook long term with him. And there's a, here's another fact that you got to keep in mind. If they are going to, let's say, try to make a run at Bradley Bill next summer, and let's say Bradley says, I want to come to Boston, you got to have assets to make that happen. You got to have money to make that work. Marcus Smart making a little bit more money for this upcoming season? Yeah, it may help you get that done. That's the thing, though, it, it, but it's a matter of time. And you're right, that length matters and the guarantees matter because, right. I, again, yeah. I, what I don't understand is if you're a team that has decided I no longer want my best player, do you want to take anybody on at a four, on a four-year right. contract who, who isn't a young and up-and-comer with, a, with, a, with, with potential to turn into a star? It just right. seems like – it doesn't seem like a lot of NBA money. It seems like stupid money for a team that's in a rebuild to take on. So I don't understand how that works in a Beal trade scenario. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you look at the Marcus Smart situation, you're wondering how much of this whole pursuit for uh, Bradley Beal has to do with him putting out the report that he wants around $80 million. I mean, we don't know if that's him or, or his or his people or who's, who's putting that out there or sources or whatever the case may be. But maybe Marcus is in the space of saying that, look, I'm not in on that plan. And, and I want to get paid. And, you know, Alonzo Ball, you know, what he got out there, I'm worth just as much or maybe not, if, if if not around that vicinity. And if I'm not part of this plan, if I'm not part of this, you know, the, the future long term, then let's just cut ties now instead of me having to go through this quote unquote bridge year and you get Bradley Beal and I end up not having a say in, in where I want to go next next year. Well, here's the other factor, too. We said all along, like, the Celtics have to have a good sense that Beal's coming if they're going to go down this road here. This could also show that maybe they're not 100% certain, and they have to start to try to retain their pieces here a little bit because what have we said all along? If They've lost Kyrie. They've lost Horford. They've lost this, that, that. The most recent one's Fournier. If you go in the next summer and lose Smart after all those guys, you have nothing left in terms yeah. of solid player oh, assets. Yeah, they're hemorrhaging. They're hemorrhaging NBA talent. And you're Mark could just been not like the situation and just leave for the sake of leaving next yeah. year. If you Maybe don't, Mark just wants to leave. Who yeah. knows? It wouldn't shock me if he's not all in on this plan. Why not? Why wouldn't he say to himself? What plan? Well, I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> right. The plan to get Bradley Beal or to get. He's uh, not part of that plan. Yeah, the plan to get Bradley Beal is not good for Marcus. If, if stay here. No, and yeah. that's the scary part. I don't think he wants to buy into that plan. Side. I think he'll take a pass on that plan. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Plan B. How yeah. much enthusiasm is there going to be on this roster next year with such a orchestrated showing that they're bridging to something here, whether it's Beal or something else? It's, it's a really risky proposition. I think extending a guy is really – a, a big step in terms of showing that all right we're making a commitment if there's if, if there's transparency from ownership on down to the players the players that matter and you're like guys i'm going to be real with you we are we're stuck this year we're building towards your future but it may result in a step back this year i need you to smile not pout not look around and say we need help and throw your hands up and start puffing and puffing. You can do that with the Jays. Can you do it with Marcus? Well, I, I See, think that's, that's that's a question. That's a you can if you resign him. You can if you resign him. What you sign him up for the man to be traded? I don't think he'd be in on that. No, well, you're just saying, giving him the money. <laughs> you're giving him the money. He's, he's oh. at least got some certainty. But 
if you tell them that and they're on board, you can do that. That's there wouldn't be the first team ever that's had a bridge year in the middle of people's prime. I think people overreact immediately, which is like, you can't have another bad year. You can, as long as these guys don't start looking for the door. So, and, and you're looking for the exit. If they're on board with it and they understand and they're down with your vision, you actually have a vision. Or if wink, wink, they know that Beal is going to friggin' stomp his feet and make his way over here and they're getting down with that, whatever it is then it's fine. But if they're not on board and they're kind of lie, you're not lied to, but misled and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And, you know, look what happened. The Red Sox don't make a trade at the deadline. And everyone's like, the whole team quit because they didn't make a trade. And, you know, like, you know, if the players feel like ownership doesn't have their back or they think one thing is happening versus another, that's bad. Um, you saw it in 2019 with the Davis situation. It's almost the same thing here. Yeah. A little bit. And you get a dead man walking sort of sort of vibe, too, when you think everybody's about to go. It is a weird situation. If you're building – I mean, it was the same shit with Anthony Davis that year. That's what I'm you talking know? about, yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. And then he comes in with the uh, That's All Folks t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. 77. That was awesome. Well, people people are messing up the Marcus conversation. because When people are reacting to the deal, it's not that people think – $17 million is a lot of NBA money these days. It's not. It's just, is that you you wanted to spend it here? I thought you were saving to spend it elsewhere. So again, I don't fully understand the plan. Why would you not have then made a move and re-signed Fournier and tried to make yourself better now? Um, well, that's the thing. Yeah. If you so I don't get say, I don't fully get if, that. If you're not in on the cap space thing that they've been doing here and yeah. you're gonna get rid of it, then why smart, not sign people? Why not sign other people? Yeah, I guess that probably just speaks to how much they like Fournier, I guess. Like, they didn't see a value in re-signing him and committing big tax money to him, which is really the, what we're talking about here now, right? Because they're in the tax, barely, but with Fournier, you're in the tax. You're really in there in ways they haven't been since the big three because his whole salary was what, gonna, was what was going to really thrust them in that direction. So is a big difference between paying like, I don't know, probably a million bucks in tax like they are right now to doubling Fournier's salary in tax potentially. Cause what would he be making? 17, uh, he got 20 million from the Knicks, right? That's yeah. 40 million in real money for Fournier about. So that's probably what scared them off the Fournier front. And, and goes, Right. And along those lines, you know, it, it always comes back to this. You spend money to win a championship. If you're the Celtics, that's, that's the thing. And paying him that kind of money wasn't going to get it done. So why do it? Why would you spend that kind of money, go that deep into the tax when you know at best you're probably, what, maybe four, five, six seed in the East? That's that's a waste of money. It doesn't make it you better. It, it, you lose, you're not going to be any better, significantly better with the, meal, with the deal. You're going to lose a shitload of money. And so what exactly is the problem in just saying thanks but no thanks to that? Well, the, yeah. it goes back to trading for him originally because I think it was B-Rob who wrote something about this, how they, they basically wasted the Hayward trade exception on him and they didn't and by using it up as much as they did at the deadline. Yeah, you would have you would have been enough. able to take Horford on a TPE, gotten a Kemba TPE that would have been the value of Beal, and you potentially would have had a TPE that could have fit Beal in here right. via trade. A 30-something TPE for Walker if you traded into the uh, – yeah, so again yeah. – So it's just would've... a string of just weird decisions. They just continue to keep occurring. Yeah. yeah. Weird. And it, what's funny is, like, again, you know, um, I, I hate to – you hate to uh, kick a guy on the way out the door. I'm bummed but, to see him go. But the, da no, the Danny, the Danny uh, 
Danny, Danny post Kyrie uh, leaving basically did everything wrong. Um, I mean, no trying to say, John, he, he screwed them up. I, I, He's still reeling from it. It's been right. It's one. It was one. We saw the play other, out on the court tonight. The Those 2019 huh? picks. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everything. They're still holding on to a lot of that. They've let certain guys go. We talked about the Cantor thing. How that's a bit of a spinning of the wheel there, where they had him, they dumped him, they dumped Thompson afterwards. Gave Tice away for nothing. The guy's signing four-year deals now. You know, like. Yeah. Just because yeah. of the tax. And again, that's a restraint that we have to talk more and more about ownership's seeming aversion of the tax here yeah. over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, they're in it now, but they're really not in it. And was that the biggest motivating factor this offseason in terms of coming in? They're in it year? as of now, yeah. but I'm sure yeah. they can find a way to not. No, they might. Yeah. They, you might bump out a Fernando and bring in Yam on like 900,000. Well, that's what, that's what worries me is like you trade, like, you know, you start giving away who knows what, you know, like, you know, it, it could mm-hmm. be, you just, you throw, and again, we're not saying he's the end all be all, but you know, they just throw Romeo in on a deal because they want to shed the 5 million there. It's just like, it's fine. You're not expecting this guy to be Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, but it's just like, uh, he, you're, you're just shedding things along the way. Just, just for would the that be like saving, done saving a buck or two, you know, here's the argument for Fournier. Um, as we look at a possible smart extension coming in here is that maybe you eat, that first big salary year, you're not quite contending for a championship this year, but whatever you put in the place next year via sign and trade or whatever, maybe you could include Fournier in that. Maybe Fournier could still be here after that as part of a Beal core, whatever that they're going to do here. Because let's face it, you may love him, you may hate him, but he's an NBA starter, and the Celtics don't have a lot of those on their roster here And they've, as they've been siphoning talent. I thought he fit really well with the Jays, Tatum in particular, as an off-ball shooter. The Knicks also got him with a non-guaranteed fourth year, which really is, took like Is the it fourth or third? Year. Is it the third or the fourth year? Fourth. fourth. So fourth. it's like 60 guaranteed and you can opt out of the final 20. So it's it really a team wasn't option. Luck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, team, team option. It's, yeah. it's not bad at all. It, and that's the thing is like, we had a discussion all off season. If you can only sign one, Smart or Fournier, which one do you sign? I'm surprised it's Smart and not Fournier. I am. I, I really am. I mean, I know the team I think needs you need a point both. guard. I know, sure. I know the team needs a point guard. In a perfect world, as I said, is the best thing to do is spend into the tax and just live with it. You won't be a, you won't be a title contender, but that's the best team you're going to have for now. And then figure out later, later. If you're going to trade, especially you since you don't like, if you're going to try to build some momentum towards something here. You can't have this year where the bench is bad and you're really struggling for scoring and production, all these different things. Like it can't be another year like last year. Cause how are you going to have a year like last year and say, Bill, you're excited to come look at what we got going on here. We, <laughs> we won the playing game again. That's what confuses like me in this sense. Cause sure. You want to give the young players a chance here as we saw in summer league today and let them rise to the level they're capable of. You want to, have this open space to get Beal here and the flexibility to do that. But you have a season out of you here. You can't just lose a season or have a sense that you're looking past this year to do something later. Like, remember, I I said this last week, 2016 wasn't great, but it was better than 2015. And you showed progress. And Horford looked at it and said, all right, there's something building here. I'm going to come join this. 
you can't have a year worse than 2016 here in Boston and expect to get Beal in my mind. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, so that's where we're at here. We just lost Joe Sway. We may or may not get him back. Um, Sherrod Blakely, as we said, in Vegas, doing his thing. He's going to be there all week long. Bobby Manning heading out there. We are going to do post-game shows because that's what we do. We do post-game shows. Um, and uh, we will continue to talk. <laughs> some cast of characters here, but it gives us something to react to, um, some action. You usually don't expect all of the top players to play in every game, so it is possible if we get a game where there's no Romeo, no Pritchard, no Yam, uh, that we might bow out. But for the most part, I think we're going to be here and we're going to do something, and we'll keep talking to you guys after the games. Um, Any closing thoughts here, whether on this game or anything from the offseason perspective? Uh, At this point, Smart is the next shoe to drop, I guess. Oh, Schroeder. You want to huh? kick around Schroeder for a minute? For a, for a minute. What's go- to me, I think, and again, we've got people on the top. Quick, th- quick thought on Schroeder. Is that all agent-driven? Is there anything to that? Is that? I don't think it's real. I think it's all agent-driven buzz to try to get him um, uh, a co- uh, try to get him, you know, signed because his market dried up fast. He was looking for something big. He didn't get it. That's the sense I'm getting, that, that yeah. this is something that's not something that the Celtics are pushing for or eager to get in bed with this guy. Uh, but obviously for the right price, you'll, you'll do pretty much anything. I mean, if, if he said tomorrow that, hey, I'll come to Boston and I'll just take the minimum, he'll do that deal with, without uh, even hesitating. Well, yeah, I um, mean, don't do obviously that. Obviously that's not going to happen, but but I'm, I'm saying if you can get him at a significantly discounted rate, yeah. you would at least consider it. But other than I think that, it, if I think they were ever interested at all. There's a role for him, and I think he, I think he would fit well. I mean, a guy who's a distributor, what they athletic, need. yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's you know Alonzo Ball type of a guy, you know, on, on that end. And if he wants to come in here on, on a one-year deal, and, and so he can try to maximize his his money again uh, next season, then I think that would be a win-win for both sides because there is obviously uh, a, a bit of a void at that position here in Boston. So. I don't know. How, I don't. I couldn't tell you. I mean, Sherrod would know more than more than any of us would on whether it's agent driven or not. But I, I can see why at least the Celtics would kick the tires on the idea of, of bringing him in. Um, and I think he makes them he, he makes them better. Like he feels he feels the need. He's a player that's you know had a lot of success in this league. I mean, I don't know much about him personality wise, but I know that he gets he's a player, dink. He gets under player skin out there. I know that. <laughs> I know but, him and Isaiah Thomas got into it. It's yeah, him, him and Rondo got into it. You can go down yeah. the line probably, but um, you know, if, if he listen, if he if he's on your team and he's giving it to the opposing team, then I'm all, all for that. Then then having it be the other way around. So the Celtics could use a bit of an instinct, I think, like that. You know, I like that? it. Yeah, yeah I like it, but who... I don't believe I've never believed it. The reason I didn't get into it here on the show is I really thought it was like I said, coming from one camp and not from the Celtics, and and I don't believe but... it's real. I don't know what's available to him now, though, and I don't know what the Celtics would right. be and that's willing the to problem. offer. That's Might the not be, but I don't even know if they ever talked. I don't know if the Celtics have. I don't know if the Celtics have any interest at all. Truthfully, I really do believe that was Schroeder's camp is like they need a point guard. Let me float some stuff there, you know, because it just kind of came out of nowhere. It could it, be, but the Celtics don't have a ton to offer, so I don't know. It came out right. minutes. Minutes after the smart stuff, they were back to back. So the two, the timing of the two reports was also weird. Yeah. No, you're always wondering about that kind of stuff in the offseason. But you look around the league right now in terms of available point guard minutes and available money. There's not a ton. Like, how many teams are going to hard cap themselves for him? Maybe the Celtics think about doing that since they're not going to be spending money anyway for one year. Um, You know, maybe you give them a player option. So you say, all right, if this year doesn't work great for you, you got some more guaranteed money here. If it does, 
you can go out and get the big deal you're looking for next year. I think with where the Celtics are at and where Schroeder is at, it would make a lot of sense for both sides. Because, again, you may love him, you may hate him, but he's an NBA starter. And right. the Celtics don't have a ton of those right now. <laughs> oh, that, that would be That's the best they can do. I know That would be a great get for them. Um, and it would, it would, it would, yeah, you're talking about a guy who was, this is a guy who turned down $80 million, potentially coming in here at 9 million. Like that's amazing value at the end of the day here for Boston in my mind, but who knows? Maybe a lot about his decision-making too, though. Unfortunately, that, that, that was a bad decision that even at the time you're looking at, dude, that's a bad decision. The Lakers obviously, yeah, the Lakers obviously didn't like him. Yeah. Well, if, yep, if I, yeah. offer, I mean, if I, you get that type of offer and you turn it down, I'm not going to really like you either because you're not really thinking too. <laughs> right. Thinking yeah. through process, clearly. It's like a, yeah. You're not going to get that money elsewhere. He was the um, he was the sixth man of the year runner-up uh, two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. So there was some real, real good play in his recent past. So he was but good he coming off your bench. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's what he would do here. You know, he smart. Very good. Friend. Let Schroeder run that bench unit. We'll see. And lead back up. Again, you don't have roster spot right now. You got to fit Yam in here somehow. So there's a lot of stuff still floating around for the Celtics in terms of the roster right now. Um, so I don't $80 know. Eighty million dollars for an elite backup, but that, but no, you're good. I, I can do better than that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he got some bad um, advice. For so sure. I, I think. Uh, I think we've uh, I think we've exhausted it, guys. We did it. We did a post game show. We, we did, did some off season talk. We kind of <laughs> did the whole thing. We did the whole thing, which was cool. Um, as we said, uh, Sherrod in Vegas right now. Um, on Sherrod, shirt- what's up tonight, man? Anything good planned? Shirt, shirt number two. I'm gonna watch the Cade debut in a little oh, bit. Okay, that's what Cade versus uh, Jimmy versus the world. Versus the yeah, that'll be buzzing. That'll be buzzing. Cade Mobley, right? Tonight it's Vegas. <laughs> gonna stay here. Yeah, he's gonna. He, yeah. He's relax, just gonna keep way. it business relax. only. Just relax. <laughs> you got Cade. You got yeah. Mobley, uh, and you got the uh, Celtics former picks Sengun there in Houston that they gave away for Kemba. So oh, great! Yeah. Everyone's watching. So Sherrod's uh, there. Bob- Bobby's heading out tomorrow, so we'll have ports there, um, you know, from the Celtics Summer League throughout uh, this stint in Vegas, four more games. Um, so lots to talk about. We'll, we'll see what we get out of it. Um, and the rest of us are here holding it down, and uh, we'll be back uh, on Tuesday uh, for uh, some sort of – Sherrod, what's tip-off? Tuesday? Tuesday, that is – Seven. Was right? that seven? Yeah. 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 We can do seven. Tell everybody. We'll go with um, follow us all you can uh, on Twitter, uh, but follow Celtics CLNS on Twitter as well. Um, that will we'll send you out notifications where we're going to go live there uh, and links to the uh, to the post game show. Obviously, subscribe on our YouTube channels if you haven't already. But um, yeah, that was it. That was fun, uh, guys. Anything to close? Or we're gonna we're done. I got nothing left. Have, everyone have a great Monday. We did. Yeah, it's Sunday. Enjoy the action, Sherrod. Thanks for just thanks for hopping on.